You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, happy Mother's Day, especially to the mothers. And uh, we're glad that you're here to worship and open God's Word now and hear from it. So let's get our Bibles out and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if those are some pages that are kind of sticking together in your Bible, um, I get to the book of Psalms and go right about two more books through Proverbs, and then you get to uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And hey, just as we get started today, I just want to begin with a very big thank you uh, to the church for your prayers for uh, Sue and I. We um, got back on Wednesday from uh, being in uh, Romania, and uh, what a blessing it was to be there and uh, to serve first at the training center in Arad, a training with five pastors and their uh, wives, uh, looking forward to what God is going to do, not just in Romania, but uh, right across Europe. And then on the Friday, to uh, speak at, in Arad, to preach in Arad on their great Friday, Good Friday service. Then on Saturday of that week, last weekend, we uh, flew down to uh, Bucharest and went up to Ploies, the church that we support there, and uh, to preach there on Easter Sunday for them, obviously different time of Easter than we have, and then to be with them and do some training and all the rest. Uh, just an amazing blessing, and uh, uh, you have no idea uh, the blessing uh, that you are to that church. Most of you have never been there, will never be there, and, uh, and yet the uh, sense of thanksgiving and appreciation uh, for what is happening and uh, the way God is working and the reality that you would release your pastor to go and to be there with his wife to encourage them. And so a very big uh, thank you from them. It was a great, it was a great trip. Well, this series we're introducing today is about legacy, um, about legacy. When you think of the word legacy, uh, what do you think about? If you're thinking in the terms of sports teams, you would call it a dynasty, um, a dynasty. Um, in Toronto, when you think about hockey, well, you'd have to be a lot older than me to think about Toronto as a dynasty. Uh, but when you think about the Detroit Red Wings or maybe the Chicago Blackhawks or the Montreal Canadiens, you can, you can think of a, a dynasty in hockey. Well, that's more on a corporate level. A legacy is more on an individual level. A legacy is on what am I leaving behind? What am I leaving behind? And that's what this series is uh, going to be about. It was really triggered in my heart, in my mind, uh, last summer uh, when Sue's dad passed away. Um, uh, my mom and dad had already gone home to be with the Lord, and Sue's mom had gone home to be with the Lord, and we had one parent that was left. And uh, last summer, Sue's dad passed away. And as we were traveling around through the summer, uh, we did a lot of talking and a lot of thinking about legacy. A legacy is that what am I going to leave behind? What will I be remembered for. The sum of what you do today is your legacy tomorrow. The sum of what you do today is your legacy tomorrow. In Psalm 78, 3 and 4, it says, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. But legacy 
is far more than what we leave behind when we die. Um, I'm 57 years old. According to the Bible, three score and 10 is a good number. That's 70. I got 13 years left. Or, or maybe more, or maybe less. Uh, but as I think about those 13 years, what am I building in? What am I building into uh, my, my spouse, my wife? What am I building into my kids? What am I building into my grandchildren? What am I building into this church? What will my legacy be? But legacy is far more than what we leave when we die. And if we only think about that, if you're here today and you're in your teens or your 20s or your 30s, you're like, Legacy? Who's thinking about legacy? I'm thinking about my job. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get ahead. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. No, no. Think about legacy more like this. What do I leave behind when I leave my job each day? What's the legacy? What do you leave behind? What do you leave behind uh, from your home, in your home, every day? If you're in high school today and you're going to graduate this year and move on, what will your legacy be? What will you be remembered for? Or you've just finished university and you're going off into the workforce and what will you be remembered for? What will the impact be you've had in, in your life? If you change jobs and you go from one place to another and, and two months after you left, they're sitting in the, in the coffee room and they're talking and they're talking about you. What will they talk about? Will they talk about your love for sports? Will they talk, talk about your love for family? Will they talk about the fact that all you could ever talk about was the weather? Well, what will they talk about when they talk about you? What will your legacy, what will it be if you move from one place to another and the neighbors are talking about you six months later and how much they miss you on their street? What, what will they be saying? What will your legacy be? be. What I am remembered for, that is my legacy. And this series will uh, seek to look at a number of things as we think about legacy. Now, as you watch the bumper video, you might have noticed that we were learning how to count uh, basically up to about eight, um, over and over and over and over again. But why? Why was that so important? Well, because the reality is that uh, as the bumper was driving, Repetition, faithfulness, and consistency, those are the things that build a legacy. A repetition in your home, repetition with your kids, repetition in the times you spend in the Word, repetition, repetition, faithfulness, and consistency. Those are the stepping stones that will lead to a legacy. Well, what will lead to a godly legacy? And what are the things we need to take a look at? And today we want to take a look at the first one, and that is the fear of God. And it's foundational to our legacy. So you've got your Bibles open. I had you get to Ecclesiastes 12. Uh, let's stand together. We want to read God's Word. We want to honor Him as we do it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 is a, a series of writings that talked about vanity and how everything in the world is vain and all the rest of it and lots of truth that comes from it. And, and then Solomon comes to the end of the book, and here's what he says, starting in verse 10. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he, he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now listen. The end of the matter all has been heard. 
fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Did you hear that? The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word that we hold in our hands and for this nugget of truth that Solomon lays out at the ending of his book. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word today as we consider what it means to fear you, almighty God. We get to stand or I get to kneel here in this room and we get to come into your presence in prayer. Do we do it with fear? Do we do it with arrogance? Do we do it with pride? Lord, would you give us ears to hear from your word today? Would you give us minds to understand it? And then, God, would you give us hearts to passionately live out what we learn today as we seek to leave a legacy that would honor our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. You know, when the world thinks of legacy, they have no fear of God. They deny his existence. As a matter of fact, their interests are on daily lives, and so your legacy in the world is about your stuff. What, what are you going to leave behind? What will your fame be made of? Did you write a book? Did you make a movie? Did you score the most goals? Did you sink the most hoops? What, what will your legacy, uh, what will it look like? But they deny the Lord, and they have no fear of God. In uh, Romans 3.18, it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the way the world looks. In Romans 1, 21 and 22, it says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They became fools. So on the one hand, we have mankind that denies the very existence of God. As a matter of fact, sets ourselves up as God. and We go after what we want, and we find wisdom in every place we can find it. And, and the Bible tells us the end of that leads to destruction. Or in the world, we tend to go to the other way, and, and we make God a God of wrath, and we're out there and killing the infidel. Um, but the reality is God's word calls us to, to fear him. The non-negotiable bottom line is that as people, we're called to fear God. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to know where knowledge starts? It doesn't start in a textbook. It doesn't start in school. It starts with the fear of God. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.25 says, The fear of a man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You see, if you get the view of God wrong, and then you get the view of yourself wrong, and the end is ultimate destruction. When you get the view of God wrong, you end up getting the view of yourself wrong because when God is not on the throne, you put yourself on the throne and the end is your destruction. 
The Bible tells us that without Christ, outside of the working of God, we will be separated from God for eternity in a place that's called hell. That's how serious this message is. And that's why it's so important that as people of God, we have a passion to leave a legacy. And when people think about your legacy today, what do they think about? Do they think about the information you know? Do they think about the people you know? Do they think about maybe some accomplishment you've made? Where does your spiritual walk fall into your legacy today? The psalmist, I mean, Solomon said, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Put it all down, everything he could think of. And he came down to this, fear God. Fear God. Bring it down to one thing. Fear God, fear God. Well, if I'm gonna fear God, I must know what it means. That's the first thing, three things we're gonna look at today. If I'm gonna fear God, I must know what it means. And fear can mean several things in the Bible. The word's used over 400 times in the Bible, uh, often to refer to God, and, and there are different ways that it is used. It can mean to respect him. Um, it can also mean to be filled with terror of God. You'd be afraid of him. Uh, for the unbeliever, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then your view of God should be one of terror. It should be one of fear. And if it's not, I'm sorry, but it's naive. Because you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to give an account. And if you're not right with him, you need to fear God. Because he's going to say to you, I never knew you. And you'll spend eternity separated from him in hell. And you need to be afraid. Be very afraid. I don't manipulate you. I'm not going to try and force you into something. I'm just telling you the reality of, of as we think about fear, fear does include terror for sure. But not for the follower of Jesus Christ. That's not how we're to fear God. We don't, we don't uh, curl up in the corner in the, and hope God doesn't see us over there. Our fear of God is very, very different, but we're still called to fear him. Our fear is one that denotes a, a sense of reverence and awe. We see him in his greatness and his goodness. And it's like Isaiah 6 that we looked at a number of weeks ago. The year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Remember? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And, and Isaiah found himself on his face before God. Why? Because he feared God. He feared him. He had a respect an awesome sense of who God was and, and what he has done. And so for the unbeliever, the fear should be terror. But for the believer, it's very different. It's much more a sense of awe and wonder and understanding of who God is and what he's done. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. We can do that to fear God. Accept, acceptable worship with reverence and awe. We fear him. For our God is a consuming fire. Knowing the other side and knowing the response that will happen, what will happen with people who reject Christ. For those of us who have trusted Christ, we, we make an acceptable offering and we worship him and we fear him in a sense of reverence the fear of the Lord could be defined like this. You write this down if you're taking notes. The continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching 
and evaluating everything we think, say, and do. Let me say that again for you. The fear of God is the continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything we think, say, and do. As Jesus told each of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. A continually seeing and watching and evaluating, knowing God is watching us and he sees, I know your works. So as the Lord looks at your works from the last week, as the Lord looks at what you've done, what sense of fear of God was demonstrated in, in your life and in what you do and in what you accomplish because nothing escapes his attention. I read this quote this week. It said, in order to develop the fear of the Lord, we must recognize God for who he is. God in his holiness, God in his creation, God in his justice, God in his love, God in his grace, God in his mercy. We must recognize God for who he is. We must glimpse with our spirits the power, the might, the beauty, and the brilliance of the Lord God Almighty. Those who, those who, those who fear, who fear, fear the, the Lord have a continual awareness of him, a deep reverence for him, a sincere commitment to obey him. And so when you think about the, the legacy that you're leaving behind as it relates to the fear of God, how would you say you stack up to those three things that were listed here? A deep reverence for him. A sincere commitment to obey him. Do you obey God when it works to your advantage? Or do you obey him because it's what his word says to do and, and you desire to fear him and follow him? And, and the third one is, do you have a continual awareness of him? Every day. Or, or do you come to church and you're here on, on Sunday, and I'm thankful that you're here. It'd be kind of dumb for me to stand here preaching to an empty room. But, um, but what difference does it make on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do you have an awareness that God is watching and that he cares about what you do and that your testimony is important? The fear of God. In the Hebrew words for the fear of God, in the verb form, it was to fear, to respect, out of reverence, primarily. In the noun form, it usually referred to the fear of God and was viewed as a positive quality. See, when we think about the fear of God, we, we think about cowering and being afraid. No, no, no. It's a positive thing in Scripture, to fear God. It's what we're called to. It's what we're to be as children of God. We're to be ones who fear our Heavenly Father. We're supposed to revere Him. We're supposed to honor Him. We're supposed to live in light of the fact that He is God. He is in heaven. He is the Creator. And I am on earth. And I have another breath because He gives it to me. I have another opportunity because He allows it. It's a positive thing. We're called to fear God. In the New Testament, the word means reverential fear. Not just to be afraid of and to cower, but also the sense of reverence. And so uh, a couple of uh, texts that you might think of as you think about the fear of God in 2 Timothy 1.7, um, the application there would be in the area of cowardice and timidity and fearfulness. And in 1 John 4, I love this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, that's not the reverence kind of fear, that's the 
oh, I'm scared to death. I'm crawling under the table. I think I'm going to die. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And perfect love, the perfect love of Christ casts out that kind of fear, the Bible says. When we understand who God is, then the sense that, man, if I stand for the Lord, if, if I honor him, if I fear God, and uh, I might lose a friend. I might lose a relationship. I might lose a job. But I'm not going to fear because I know who's in control. I know the one who's leading. I know the one who is faithful. If you lose a friend because of your commitment to honor God and fear him, do you not believe that God can't bring another friend? Someone who will be even better for you and more helpful for you? Do you think if you actually had to make your stand for your job because of your fear of God, do you not believe that God cannot provide for you and he will provide for you? You need to fear God. You need to fear God. Luther tried to explain this and figure it out, and he kind of he put it into two pictures, and the one is not the fear that the believers need to have. The second is the fear that believers need to have. He said it's uh, the fear that he was talking about was like the fear of being in a prison and being in a torture chamber and being tormented by the jailer or the executioner. It's a kind of dreadful anxiety when someone is frightened. Someone's in the hands of a malicious slave owner. Now, that kind of fear is the one kind of fear, and it's the kind of fear we should have of God in the sense of we don't know who he is. And we'll stand before him, we don't know him, we don't know his love, and we don't know his caring, and we haven't received the work of Jesus Christ. That, that fear, that terror, yeah, that's part of God's judgment. But Luther went on to explain that as followers of Jesus Christ, that's not the fear for us. The fear for us is more of a filial kind of fear from the Latin concept, the idea of a family, refers to the fear that a child has for his father. Luther's thinking of a child who has tremendous respect and love for his father and mother and who dearly wants to please them. Now, we call him Abba, father. That's not a daddy, daddy in a flippant kind of a way. That's, he is my father, my Abba father, and I want to please him. As you all know, the Lord's given us uh, two wonderful kids, and... Uh, I'm so thankful for both of them. They were so different growing up. Um, Beth was uh, much more headstrong, much more, I'll, I'll do it my way, thank you very much. Um, and um, she was here a couple weeks ago and won't be back for a few weeks, so you'll have forgotten that I even talked about her. Um, Carl wasn't like that. Carl wasn't like that at all. The discipline then was so different. When you sat down with Carl, when he had done something, you would sit down and explain what had happened and, and the disappointment that that caused and how dad was, you know, pretty disappointed in what he did and like, he was just like soft butter. That's just the way he was. Why? Because he didn't want to disappoint. He didn't want to fail. That's how we're supposed to be. We see God and what he's done for us and what he's accomplished for us. And when I fall in my sin and I get off on my own path and I do what I want and we look up and we see our Heavenly Father looking at us, we should melt because we fear him and we love him and we revere him. He's not my buddy. He's not the guy next door. Our relationship with him is far greater than that and we need to fear him and his majesty and his power but we don't need to be afraid of him. 
We don't need to be scared of him. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from his love if we are in Jesus Christ. He's promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The fear of God is a respecting him, obeying him, submitting to his discipline. So in your legacy, would anyone use the words, he feared God? He feared God. Solomon says when you bring it right down to the bottom line, there's just one thing. Did he fear God? Did he fear God? I must know what it means so I can understand what it does. And what does the fear of God do for us? That's the second thing we want to see today. And uh, here's the thing. A healthy fear of God includes the fear of the consequences of disobedience. And we're going to come back to this when we see the blessings of, of, of what uh, fear brings to us. But there are consequences. Uh, my grandmother wrote in the front of one of my Bibles, um, now, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book, right? Well, that's really trying to make clear an understanding that this is the source of God's truth. This is his word. And um, a healthy fear of God includes a fear of the consequences of my disobedience as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. Um, here's another one. Uh, uh, the fear or reverence of God helps us to take him and his word seriously. When I grasp the fact that God is the creator of the universe, when I grasp the fact that my next breath comes because he allows me to have it, when I grasp the fact that God saved me through the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for me, it helps me to take him and his word seriously. Do you take, do you take God, his working, and his word, do you take it seriously? Have you been in this book since you left here last week? Have you opened it up? Have you searched it out? Have you desired to know the God of the Word of God? Of, of the Word of God? Is that your legacy? When people think of you, do they think of a person who opened the Word, wanted to know God? I, I'm reminded just as I speak of a man who, when I was uh, living up in Muskoka, I would go to work in the morning, and I used to see him sitting in his window. I knew him sitting in front of his room with his Bible open, reading the Word of God. When I fear God, I take him and his word seriously. What it says means something to me. I'm searching it to know how I should live. Here's another one. The reverence of God helps us to take him and his benefits seriously. If it helps me to first of all take him and his word seriously, fear helps me to take him and his benefits seriously. I got a whole bunch of them. You can write down the ones that are specific for you. They all come from the book of Proverbs, which also that's Solomon's writing, so to tie it to Ecclesiastes. Um, Here's some of the things that are the benefits of wisdom, or the fear is a benefit. The first one is it gives me wisdom. Fear of God gives me wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in the knowledge of the Holy One, is insight. When I fear God, I'm at a place of understanding. I'm at the beginning of where wisdom comes from. We're out there in our world. Man is out there in his world trying to figure it out, trying to watch what you do. Just look what's happening in the elections down in the States right now. Look what's happening in our own country. Look what happens when the wisdom of man seeks to lead. Leads to destruction. It leads to a mess. 
But fear of God is where wisdom begins, and that's what we're called to. We're called to be counterculture. We're called to look different from the world. And when I fear God, I look to him for the insights. I look to him for the truth. It gives me wisdom. Here's another benefit. It motivates me to holiness. The fear of God motivates me to holiness. Proverbs 3 and verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. When I fear God, I want to live for him. I want to be like him. I want to be like Isaiah when he saw the Lord and he cried out, Holy, holy, holy. And then he's falling flat on his face before God. And he desires to live differently. When I fear God, I want to be holy. I want to be a part. I want to be separate. I want him to be first. I want to be growing in that every day. And when I fall off that wagon, I'm going to get back on that wagon because I'm after the holiness of God in me. It's the second one. Here's another one. When I fear God, it keeps me from sinning. It keeps me from sinning. Proverbs 16, 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Now listen, and the fear, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. For too long in my life, I've been going along like this, and I, I realized the church told me this is wrong, and my mom told me it was wrong, and my dad told me it was wrong, and some friends told me it was wrong, and I, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do that anymore. And I, I seek to repent, but I find myself going back, because then my mom tells me it's wrong, and my dad tells me it's wrong, and the church tells me it's wrong, and my friends tell me it's wrong, and, and I try and repent, and I go back, and, and that cycle goes on and on in our lives, and it's like, why can't I get victory in this? It's because you don't fear God. That's why. That's why I sin. I sin because I don't fear God. If I feared him, I would stop. As I'm going to that thing I want, whether it's in our world, the rampant sexuality that's out there, but that's not the only sin that people are drawn to. Anybody who's not drawn to that's like, I'm on easy street. No, no, no. What about cutting corners? What about thinking too highly of yourself? What about pride and arrogance? What about all of those kind of things as well? And people warn you about those and be careful about those. And you go, yeah, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. And you keep going back to it and you keep going back like a dog to its vomit. You keep going back to it. Why can't you have victory? It's because you don't fear God. And when, you're, when you're tempted by those things and, and Satan entices you with those things, you go back and you go back. You don't stop and think about your Abba Father who's watching. You don't think about the Savior who hung on a cross for you. You don't think about his caring and his forgiveness for you over and over and over and over again and you find yourself in your sin. And you make excuses for what you do and it's not that serious, it's not that important and you just don't care about God. That's the bottom line. And I'm guilty of it too. God helping us. The victory over sin does not come from trying harder. It comes from depending more. It comes from seeing sin as God sees it and then turning in repentance because we hate our sin because the one who we love hates our sin. And I would never want to do anything that would deny him or hurt him 
or hurt the relationship. It's not, it's not a perfect path. It's not an easy road. But if you only try not to sin to impress or respond to the people who are around you, you will never have victory over sin. Now, should people still speak into our lives? Of course they should. Of course we need to be warned. Of course we need to be told. But ultimately, ultimately, I'll be kept from sinning when I fear the Lord, when I fear the Lord. Here's another cool one. Um, fear prolongs my life. It prolongs my life. I already said I'm 57. How many years do I have left? In uh, Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Was that saying? Paul, there's the verse. That's the one you need. You read that verse and you're going to make it to 90. Now I read that verse. It doesn't mean I'm going to make it out to the car without getting struck. It doesn't mean that at all. It's a proverb. It's a principle. It's a teaching. And when you fear the Lord in your life, when you put God first, uh, you're going to be in a good place. But when you don't, you're going to be in a very dangerous place. How much, how much illness and sickness is caused by anxiety and, and people trying to do things their own way? How much sickness and death is caused by the reality that we don't fear God and we get caught up in awful, painful things and sexually transmitted diseases and the use of drugs and alcohol and the reality of how quickly tobacco will kill you and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the place of safety. But the years of the wicked will be short. Here's another one, another benefit of the fear of God. It gives me security. It's what we want today. Everybody wants security. You watch what's happening in our world and we get all anxious about things. And Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. You know, I think about when we had kids in the early 80s and how different it is now and our kids are having kids and you're like, do we even want to have kids anymore? They're like, really? With the way the world is going? Well, that's man. That's man thoughts, right? God's in control. He knows the beginning from the end. And the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord gives us confidence and it gives us security and we learn to trust him. Here's another one. Secure, uh, fear of the Lord produces life. It's the fear of the Lord that produces life. In Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. When you think about those of you who are in the room who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's most of the people in the room. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Well, because you knew your sin separated you from God. You knew one day you were going to stand before God and you were going to even answer to him. And that should cause you to fear. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to fear God. You're going to stand before the judge. You're going to give an account. And he's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. You're sitting there going, who do you think you are? I'm just like you. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner who was saved by God's grace, who understood the fear of God when it comes to my need for salvation, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm no better than anyone else in the room. It's not about me. It's all about who God is, about what he's done. It's about his word. It's about his working. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. 
until you come to the place that you understand you're separated from God and you can't fix that problem. And you're going to spend eternity separated from God. And you believe by faith that Jesus was the answer to your situation. That he died, he suffered, he bled, he hung on a cross, he rose again. So you could have eternal life. The fear of the, of the Lord, that's, the, that's where the life springs from. If you've never trusted Christ. It's not about works, it's not about doing, it's not about trying, it's about trusting. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and, and you'll be saved. You'll be saved. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that might, one may turn away from the snares of death. Three more, here's another one real quick. It makes life better. Fearing God just downright makes life better. It says in uh, Proverbs 15, 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and the trouble that comes with it. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and the trouble that comes with it. God's talking to us and he's teaching us from his word that we need to be satisfied and we need to be um, willing to accept what he gives to us and we need to be content because the fear of the Lord with a little bit, just a little bit, is way better than having it all and not having the Lord because when you get your view of God wrong, you get your view of yourself wrong, and the end is destruction. The fear of the Lord produces safety or satisfaction and safety. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. He'll not be visited by harm. The person who fears God is a satisfied person. Uh, just take a look at your life, and when people think about you, do you talk about the rejoicing and what God has done and the working he has done and his faithfulness to you? And are you out there just, oh man, life is so hard. I never get a break. Everything's always so difficult. And you're not satisfied in the Lord. You don't fear him. You don't fear him, flat out. Every day won't be easy. There'll be difficult times. But fear God and be satisfied in him thinking about what is coming and all that's laid out for us and the hope that we have. And the last one is the fear of the Lord brings great blessing. Proverbs 22.4 says, the reward of humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. I must know what fear is so I can understand what it does so that I can live appropriately. So that I can live appropriately. Back to uh, verse uh, 13, it says the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. We need to finish well. We need to do what God calls us to. We need to live out our lives appropriately in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. It talks about uh, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Uh, we live out our lives. And hey, I know, I know lots of you in the room and you know me. We don't do it perfectly. 
but we're growing in it. We're doing better in it. We're trusting the Lord more in it. We're moving more to Christ-likeness every time, every day of our lives. That's the desire for the follower of Jesus Christ. We should not fear that God will let us down in this or that he is not going to be faithful or he's not going to be just or he's not going to forgive. He's going to be all of those things because that's his character and and that's who he is. And he's not going to give up on us when we get smug in ourselves and we think we've got it all figured out. No, God's going to continue to sanctify us. He's going to continue to grow us up in, in Jesus Christ. You understand without the fear of the Lord, we make final decisions based on faulty human understanding. And so the world system, it's faulty. It leaves God out. And so the foundation is wrong. And so the decisions that come out of it are wrong. Just like, just like the understanding of the fear of God. If I don't have a right view of God, then I end up with a wrong view of myself and I end up in destruction. And that's the path that the world is on. But God has called us to something that is very different than that. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. You put Him first. You put the focus on Him. And He will make straight your path. So I want to give you three things. Three practical things. To put it very simply, walking in the fear of the Lord is going to be an individual decision. It's an individual decision. You have to decide. I can call you to it. Others can call you to it. But to walk in the fear of the Lord is something you have to decide. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. When it all boils down, it's the one thing we go after. It's what the Bible says. It's what we've been hearing. But you have to choose to do this. And when you think about your legacy and you think about what's going to be left behind, when you think about after you die or after you leave the the university you're in or after you leave your job or after you move, what will people be talking about about you? It should be. You fear the Lord. He, He wanted what God wanted. That's what he was going after. See, that's what they should say about our church. The pressures that are going to be on our church in the next, who knows, 10, 15, 20 years to compromise. What will our church be known for? Be known for a nice building? Will it be known for maybe a new building? Will it be known for how many churches we planted? Or, or will it be known as a church that feared God in a world filled with political correctness? Will it be a church that fears God? What about our elders? What will be said about us as the leaders? Let's say, would they be said about us that, well, you know, they were nice guys and they all seem to get along pretty well. And, or will it be said that they feared God? They went, after, they went after what God wanted. What will be said about me? And one day I won't be here anymore. And if the church is still going on, then will it be said, That guy feared the Lord. He didn't fear to preach the word. He didn't fear to stand for God. He didn't. Is that what people will say? And what will they say about you? You have to decide. You have to decide. It's an individual decision. You make the call. 
Here's the second thing. A life lived in the fear of the Lord, it'll show up. When you fear God, it shows up in your life. If nobody's asking you, why are you like you are? You're different than anybody else who works here. There's something about you that's unique. There's something about you that's different. See, when you fear God, people can see the difference. And if no one's seeing the difference in your life, it's because there's no difference to see. The legacy we need to leave is one that fears God and doesn't fear whether I will lose a friend or a relationship or a job or an opportunity, but rather I'm gonna put the fear of the Lord first. Because when you fear the Lord, people will see it. And the third thing is the negative of that, and that's by the same token, a life filled out, lived outside of the fear of God it's easy to pick as well. You get talking to somebody at the workplace and, and somehow you stumble into it and you admit that you're a Christian. They're like, man, I never saw that before. Didn't know that was coming. Really? Is that what we're going for? Is that what we're after in our lives? Is that the legacy I want to leave? Is that the legacy in my neighborhood? Is that the legacy in my family? Is that the legacy? That I, I want to be close enough to God to get to heaven, but not close enough to him to make any difference in the world. I just, I don't even believe that's possible. But that's the way we live sometimes. And when we choose to fear God, people will see it. And some people will reject it, and some people will hate it, and some people will be drawn to it. But if we choose to reject it, people will see that as well. What's your legacy? What are people thinking about you? And what difference will it make? Well, so what? The sum of what you do today is your legacy tomorrow. Legacy is leaving behind the fear of God. There's a bunch of other things we're going to see in the next weeks, but this week, the foundation thing, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. God helping us, would we be a people of God who leave a legacy of the fear of God? Of the fear of God. This sentence rocked me this, work, this week. Our world is longing to see people whose God is big and holy and frightening. A God who is gentle and tender and who is mine. A God whose love frightens us into his strong and powerful arms where he longs to whisper those terrifying words, I love you. I love you. Our world is longing to see people whose God is big and holy and frightening and gentle and tender 
God who is mine. A God whose love frightens us. Frightens us into his strong and powerful arms where he longs to whisper those terrifying words, I love you. What's your legacy looking like? Is it looking like things you've accomplished? Things you've done? What will you leave behind? God being our helper, would we be people of God whose legacy is they feared God? Let's pray. Father, this is your word. All of these verses we've seen, this verse from Ecclesiastes 12 that Solomon laid out, when it comes right down to it, the fear of God, a right understanding of who you are, it changes us, it calls us to salvation, and it gives us great hope. So God, do the working that's necessary in our lives the calling that's required, the repentance that maybe we need to step into today, the, the sense of recommitment to you, God. I'm going to get my priorities right. I'm going to put you on the throne because you are my father. You are my Abba father, and I care more about you than anything else in the world. God, help me to have the victory of sin, not because I'm trying harder, but because I see who you are and your love for me and your passion for me and your care for me. Lord, teach me. Teach me, teach our church, teach us as followers of Jesus Christ to fear you because of your awesome power, your awesome work. And Lord, the person who's here today who's never trusted Christ, God, would you build into them, would you show them the fear of Almighty God that they will stand separated you from eternity. Would you break them of themselves and bring them, God, in, into intense love for you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Would we be people who leave a legacy that it will be said of us, we feared the Lord. We did what he called us to. Do that working in us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.